Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Really 007 podcast once more for our second foray into the James Bond songbook. You can find us and listen in on iTunes and Spotify, and we're on social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tonight, I am joined by regular contributor John Kell, who's been on pretty much all the episodes we've done so far. But we also welcome, for the first time, Mr. Glenn Standish. Good evening, both of you. Good evening. Good evening. Hi, it's good to be here. <laughs> it's good to have you, Glenn. <laughs> now, Glenn got in contact with the podcast after seeing us on Facebook, but he's got more of a, a sort of long-standing connection. Glenn actually went to school with the, the elder brother, James, who mysteriously isn't on this podcast, um, <laughs> in Cheltenham back in, what, was it the late 80s, early 90s, Glenn? Uh, early 90s. It was actually 1990, and we we left, well, I left in 1995. I think James actually left a bit earlier than me, if I recall. Um, he didn't He didn't stick around. <laughs> no, he didn't, no. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and I'm back. Well, no, I, yeah, I, I do live in Poland now, but um, surprisingly, I'm actually in Cheltenham right now. I'm here to visit my mother, so I'm actually just down the road from this very same school where I first met James so um yeah wow. it's gone through, so, yeah so it's a bit weird isn't it it's, <laughs> this is uncanny <laughs> absolutely amazing yeah kismet yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> we were hoping to say oh glamorous european broadcast this evening going out from poland but <laughs> Cheltenham's nice though it's a lovely place. well i am from Cheltenham. i mean <laughs> <laughs> glad off topic there hasn't been a bond film in poland yet has there mm. Um, no, you're absolutely correct. No, um, but there has been a there's been um, a Polish Bond actress, um, Isabella Skorupka, of course. Is it Skorupka yeah, in yeah. Goldeneye? Yeah. Wow. She's Polish. Yeah. 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 But you're right; it's never been filmed in Poland, um, and it bloody should be. Yes, yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, it's too. Right. Not, no, no. Not a beautiful place. I mean, it was filmed in the Czech Republic for Casino Royale and a few others, I think, but never in Poland. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, so, yeah. we were saying, John, weren't we? I think it is in our. The Man of the Golden Gun review that Thailand sort of was opened up by the Bond world, and they did it a bit with Absolutely. India and Octopussy. But there's, there's a quite a few countries they haven't been to yet, and we'd like from some of the new Bonds them to go to somewhere they haven't been. And they, they keep sort of 
going to Venice, don't they? Yeah. Going to Istanbul and London and Scotland, but Poland would be certainly one. And the new list. one, Jamaica as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I think they've done some filming in the Faroe Islands or something like that, I think I was saying, so that hopefully we'll get some sort of new look that we haven't seen before, like an ice palace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but you've got, you know, in Poland, you've got Krakow, haven't you? Yeah. There'd be something lovely that you could do there. But is, is it Gdansk? Is it, sorry, I'm not going to pronounce it. Gdansk, Gdansk is the big, the big port yeah. as well. Big, big seaport. I mean, you could, yeah, you yeah. could do something like the Cove Docks from You Only Live Twice at Gdansk oh. or something like that. Absolutely, but we've also got lots of, we've got lots of beautiful castles, loads of castles wow. and stuff. And, and you know, I, I can see one of the uh, villains hanging out of one of these castles. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I hope Purvis and Wade are listening. <laughs> yeah, come on, because they'll still be here. Uh, and we'll be booking a trip right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great to have you on, uh, Glenn. In terms of your relationship with Bond growing Thank up, I, I presume you. You watched them as a kid, did you? Yeah, absolutely. I remember I was uh, age six years old. It was 1983, so shit, that gives my uh, age away. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was my very first very first time I went and saw a James Bond film, um, and it was at the old classic cinema. That's actually, it was called the classic cinema, um, in Tunbridge Wells in Kent, and it was wow. Octopus oh. in 1983. Oh, and, oh, oh, oh lucky yeah. man. Oh. So... Octopussy is, I wouldn't say it's in my top five, but it's in definitely my top ten because purely because of, you know, nostalgic reasons. Um, and, you know, I, I watched it recently on HBO again, and um, I love it. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's got a lot of flaws, but a lot of good things about it as well. So uh, that was my first, let's say, foray Experience. into James Bond, well, so- and I've been a fan of the Growing up, yeah, yeah, Roger was. But then there was obviously Piers Brosnan. I was never really a big fan of Piers Brosnan. And then obviously Daniel Craig. But I, I started watching all of the James <laughs> Bond films. Sorry, I know. John, are you, are you a fan of Piers Brosnan? John especially. Um, yeah. I, I, Piers Brosnan's my Bond. I, I grew up with Piers Brosnan. And um, to this day, I will defend him and the world is not enough till Kingdom Come. <laughs> well, funny you mention you mentioned world is not enough because I actually um I I've got a good story I told Tom about this so I actually uh, gate crashed the the press pit of the uh, <laughs> the the world <laughs> premiere of world is not enough and I, I wow. with my friend Abby uh, one of my st- uh, university pals and we managed to gate crash we got in there I don't know how they allowed me in because the only camera I had was a uh, disposable Kodak. You remember those disposable Kodak cameras? Yes. Well, I had one of those. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, said I, was I, was, I think I said I was with the Daily Star. <laughs> and I brilliant. got into the bloody press. Yeah, and, um, you know, the likes of Boy George and Paul McCartney went past me. Uh, Judy Dench was there. And sadly, Desmond Llewellyn, literally a couple of weeks before he sadly died, was there as well. Oh. So I'd love to see him. But... I saw, Den- I saw Denise oh. Richards and all, yeah. And, but the only person I failed to see, wait for it, was Pierce Bloody Brosnan because my <laughs> friend Abby needed to go and go to the time. So we, we left the press pit, went to go to the toilet, and they wouldn't let me back in. So, <laughs> so all I saw was his left hand waving from the balcony of the Odeon Leicester Square. Oh. <laughs> but you. I did get to see oh. a bit of Pierce. <laughs> I know, gutted, gutted. Of course he was alive, why not? And we must have missed him by (laughs) minutes, I know. That's that's a left hand more of Pierce Brosnan than I've ever seen, so fair play. (laughs) I know. 
ironically, the ones who weren't in the press pit, you know, the mere commoners, should we say, got to see him completely because, you know, they were opposite him. And I was underneath and I, I, was, I couldn't see because I was right under the balcony. So I just saw his left hand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is that possibly why you don't rate him as high? It is a good story. He, he, he didn't did he think he snubbed you. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, he stole me exactly. Right, <laughs> not, not a fan of Piers. <laughs> well, Glenn, yeah, we we did a, our own rankings on the podcast at the start of the year, or sorry, the end of 2020, and there was a sort of Twitter poll as well, and they came up with everybody's rankings and joined them all together and worked out mathematically, or whatever, a poll of polls, what the order was in terms of the best bonds. I know mm-hmm. you, you're you're a fan of Skyfall. What? What what would be your I don't know top five Bond films if you have them? Yeah, uh, I do. I mean, it's a difficult question, as you know. But I would say my number one, and it's it's everybody you know, all fans' number one. I think is on on Her Majesty's Secret Service. I absolutely adore that. Film. Brilliant, brilliant. Yes, <laughs> John is going Excellent. crazy. Excellent. I'm a massive fan. Um, then I would probably be uh, from Russia with Love. Good. Classic, yeah. You know, the, the, the whole scene on the Orient Express is just, you know, phenomenal. And, it, you know, even yeah. to this day, it's still brilliant. Then I would say probably, yeah, Skyfall is probably up there in the top five. Uh, Goldfinger oh. as well. Um, brilliant. And I'm trying to think now. I'm, I'm losing it. Um, probably You Only Live Twice is pretty good as well. It's also up there. Nice. Um, in the top five. Yeah, yeah. But definitely, you know, without a shadow of doubt, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. And I recently watched it a couple of days ago uh, on HBO again. And um, I, we just bought a brand new um, TV, you know, one of these massive, well, I would say massive, 55-inch screen TV. And my God, you know, that film is over, well, it's over 50 years old now. And it was filmed in 1969. And you could still see the pores and stuff on the skin. You know, amazing, absolutely amazing um, yes. imagery. Um, I, and you know, it still stands to, to this day. I think is is an t- absolute top draw Bond film. Everything about it. I love the music. I know we're going to be talking about that later. You know, I love the leading lady and the ending. The ending is just you know, it gets me every time. I always shed a tear or two when I when I watch that ending. Mm-hmm. And you know, people diss George Lazenby, but I actually think you know, I think he handled that scene, especially the end scene very very well for somebody who's you know who was just a model you know without any acting experience i think you know brilliant i couldn't imagine sean connery doing that That's in my opinion point. i i i completely agree with you glenn and then you got the music and the song at the end yeah i'm just saying you know you know everything about it you know this the music and the ending it just it just gets to me you know uh, and you know they shot the whole film on location in switzerland and actually in a couple of months time i'm going to go to Piz gloria and check it out so um, i'm very excited about going to that yeah. Oh. No. You know, you know my favourite scene in on Her Majesty's Service. You know what my favourite scene is? It's when, it's when James Bond enters that guy's office and he's sitting there waiting for the safe to open. Oh, yes. And he's, he pulls out a magazine. He's, he reads the Playboy magazine. And his friend, the blonde guy, he's you know he's just there outside and he's putting the safe cracking device into that you know machine and it goes up. You know, and the music is brilliant. No, that, for me that is pure Bond. Pure Bond. Yeah, I, I completely, completely agree. Glenn, welcome to the podcast. You're a friend for life. Absolutely. We have... Uh, Thank you very much. You know, we, <laughs> we, firstly, anybody who's going to say that George Lazenby makes that film and that it wouldn't be the same if it was Sean Connery, you'll always get my backing with that 100%. It's all about that performance. I, I talk 
on numerous occasions to Tom and the rest of the team about how the music Gumball's Safe is just some of the best music in the whole of Bond. You know, I, I'm with you all the way on this. This film is light years ahead of its time in terms of its filming and all the rest of it. And I know you said that it's quite obvious that everyone has this as number one and From Russia With Love as number two. There's a reason for it. It's because they're flipping brilliant. You yeah. know, it's, yeah. it's superb. Yeah. yeah. Great. I think we have a very similar, um, you know, we have similarities in terms of our taste, John. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, th- th- there was one slight, one slight query I've got to make with it, Glenn. Mm-hmm. That's all right. Yeah. Um, on the Majesty's Secret Service is mine number two. <laughs> I need to ask you. I need to ask you because there's one certain James Bond that you didn't mention in this chat so far. What's your opinion on <laughs> Timothy Dalton? Oh yes, <laughs> I love Timothy Dalton. Yay! Yay! Also, Living Daylights, Living Daylights, All License to Kill is up there. You know, um, definitely. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, I completely forgot. How could I forget about Tim? <laughs> Tim, you know, <laughs> oh, he's all over. Really? He's much better than, in my opinion, he's a hundred times better than Pierce Brosnan. In my opinion, Pierce Brosnan's the weakest, and it's not really Pierce Brosnan's fault. I think he was really let down by the screenwriters and the scripts at the time. They were, they were god-awful. Apart from Goldeneye was not too bad, but the others, come on, come on. <laughs> so, no, um, basically, um, Piers Boston, you know, he's, he's the weakest, in my opinion. <laughs> but you like? But no, Dalton? Tim, Timothy Dalton, no. <laughs> I, I absolutely, when I was listening to your, your podcast with um, Anthony uh, Stark, and he mentioned about that anecdote about Tim on the plane, about in all the exercise he does. I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you love him even yeah, more. Yeah. It? Yes. And it just, you know, I, every time I watch, you know, see him on screen now, I always have that anecdote in my head. We're going to talk about Honor Majesties tonight for a, for a heck of a lot of the, the running time of this episode. We'll also talk about another film. We'll, we'll get to that, which you might have mentioned already. Not much Tim, I'm afraid, tonight, but I'm sure we'll, we'll have that another time, Glenn. Our second episode on the songs of James Bond focuses on four songs. So, you know, we'd like to give you one each, but because it's Honor Majesties, we're just going to say, what the heck, let's do all three from that. They, of course embody what we think is one of the very best James Bond films. But Glenn is also, his choice, not only was the On a Magic Secret Service, but he chose the first title song to win an Oscar, that's Skyfall. And we have uh, reviewed Skyfall and we've talked about the song there, but it'd be very interesting to get a different perspective on uh, the song and indeed some thoughts of everybody's again on the film. But we will start chronologically, because I'm obsessed with, with doing that on this podcast, it seems, and John has selected, <laughs> this is amazing, John. First of all, you have a very personal connection to the music of Honor Majesty's Secret Service, don't you? I certainly do, yeah. I, I feel very privileged to be the person who's allowed to talk about to talk about this music, the whole of it. When I first got into Bond um, and I, I was watching this and all the rest of it, I didn't know, because like downloadable music wasn't available then. So I did not know what the theme tune to one of Majesty's secret service was. So me as a naive 10 year old lad was just like, 
oh, I was trying to make up tunes in my head with this phrase on Her Majesty's Secret <laughs> Service, you know. <laughs> uh, and when I heard what it was, I was like, oh, wow, this is this is totally different, this instrumental. And then the Louis Armstrong song came on. And I, I can't describe it, but even as like such a young lad hearing that song, I just was like, this is one of the greatest songs ever written. I just knew straight away that this is, for as a love song, this hit me really hard. To the point that when I got married, my wife wanted to walk down the aisle to Songbird by Eva Cassidy, which, again, cracking choice, but I was allowed to do the outro music. <laughs> so as you were my witness there, as you were a witness in the crowd there, Tom, I... I got married to We Have All the Time in the World. <laughs> <laughs> and I never told my wife about the ending of the film oh, because yeah. it may have put her off. It may have put her off from letting me uh, get married to to that song. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to go into the logistics of the song and what it means, everything. But this to me is a very, very personal song. Yeah, well, I, I totally agree with you, John, and it, I think it is now one of the more popular songs, isn't it, for for weddings? We're linking this into Adele, I, I went to, I think it was oh, yeah. ten years ago now, and nearly every wedding I seem to go to, everybody's first dance was, you know, the "Never mind, I'll find someone like you," and I, and I was like, "Sorry, these lyrics aren't really appropriate, are they, for a first dance for a wedding?" <laughs> and and I, I even, I think at one of them, I even asked yeah. the bride, and I was like. Oh yeah, this yeah, it's a nice song, but <laughs> obviously you know, the lyrics and that. Oh, I've never really heard, listened to the lyrics. So there you go, <laughs> hopeless. Um, Have you ever heard Skyfall being played um, at a wedding? I haven't. I haven't. No. <laughs> <laughs> a bit specific, aren't they, to the location? Maybe. Yeah, it is very specific. It's a specific song. Very specific. <laughs> I prefer it, but anyway, not to, uh, we have all the time in the world, don't worry. <laughs> to go back to one of Manchester's, I, I mean, Chris, Chris Goldie of this parish, he, he's absolutely obsessed with the film and everything about it. And he did, he put it as his number one, uh, along with you, Glenn. And I know John pretty much you did as well, apart from License to Kill. Must get that in. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and Chris in particular is obsessed with the, it's the title instrumental, is the first track we are bringing forward tonight. Oh. And that's his personal favourite. I, I mean, I could have chosen that as my favourite. I think it's probably the greatest piece of instrumental action music ever written, perhaps. I, I don't say that lightly because I'm obsessed with soundtracks. Mm -hmm. I'm obsessed with John Barry and his some of his action music is, is so good. Because mm -hmm. of, often people think of him as the more the lush melodies. And nowadays, or every action film has the same pulsating, you know, percussion and... I don't know, digitise yeah. um, synchronisers, but John Barry can do action without needing all that. I know in the last one he did, Living Daylights, he, he got a bit of synth on, but the melodies were still there and it made it even better for for Necros, yeah, for Necros's uh, amazing theme. Mm. In fact, though, that links, because I was going to say, John Barry, this was sort of almost pioneering the On A Majesty's theme tune, because yeah. this is one where he first used more electronic instruments Including the Moog, yeah, the Moog yeah. synthesizer. And I know Chris is obsessed, and I think he's got one, yeah. or, or like a mini version of it. So it's a bit more of a, like an aggressive sound, isn't it, than the ones that had come before? Because if you think about it, we just had Young and Live Twice is so sweeping and beautiful, uh, it's lovely. But this is an altogether different beast. And he said, uh, "I have to stick my oar in the musical area, double strong, 
to make the audience try and forget they don't have Sean. So I think that was one of the, the main reasons he did that. And he wanted the music to sort of fill in the gaps. If, if you were sort of thinking, oh, heck, there's no Sean here, I've got to really be on my A game to make. And he said, to be Bondian beyond Bondian. So this guy knew what he was doing. He wasn't just um, a genius. Yeah, he was a genius, but he wasn't just a genius coming up with random music and, oh, you can have this if you want this for the, for the thing. He really thought about it, fitting it to the actors and the style of the film. It's testament to this song that this film feels so Bondian and yet the Bond theme tune is only played once throughout the whole film. It's yeah. testament that you have an incredible piece of music here that is so action-focused and yeah, straight away, that's James Bond, that's on a Majesty's Secret Service and it replaces the Bond theme bar in the Pitts Glory fight at the end and it works. It works so amazingly well. I was I was trying to listen through today and I was thinking, why does this work so much? And what I think it is, is, is it is the rhythm section that I think does it. The Eon um, film, the rhythm section. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not the rhythm, not the Eon film. Especially on the remastered version, you really hear the bass line coming oh. through underneath the Moog synthesizer. And then you've basically got quite a rattly, snary thing going on. What it does is, is that when you go to the title credit scene and you see the Sands of Time, what that music does is it, it creates a picture of Sands of Time in your head. Mm because of like it feels like time ticking because of the rhythm that's going on and yeah then and that to me is nothing that we've seen from barry beforehand what we've seen is the more kind of whimsical beautiful strings of say you only live twice or the big brass from like the thunderball or goldfinger but then what barry does on top of putting this amazing rhythm section is is he puts classic barry horns and brass over the top of it and what you get is like the best of Barry because you've got the classic Barry, but you have got this whole new innovation going on as well. And then how he just changes the uh, octaves throughout the song. And then in the second time, you get the little glockenspiel going oh, and all that. And just these little bits here and there. This is a sensational piece of music that is all i can say i could go on all day but i won't because i'm sure both you and glenn would love to just wax lyrical about this as well well i am um, i'm a big fan of the uh the opening credits um and the intro i think i completely agree john with what you're saying but i think also the actual main credit sequence itself we mentioned about the uh the timer you know the sand um timers but seeing the previous films as well you know I know why they did that, because they wanted to try, obviously, make a clear connection between Sean Connery and, and the new Bond. But it does work, and it, it really, you know, the music really lends itself um, as well to the actual imagery that you see uh, from the previous yeah. Bond films. And I think, you know, probably the best ever opening credits, really. And you don't have these scantily clad women like you do in the other, <laughs> in all the other ones. And, you know, it actually works so well. Um, I think, you know, I mean, there are women in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think it is. Yeah, of course. But I think, you know, everything about it is just, it's far superior, I think, than any of the other main credit sequences I've ever seen. And it's the only one that's instrumental. Yeah, I, I mean, with... And there's something about that. <laughs> with it being instrumental, I think they did... I think John Barry 
originally wanted to, of course, then the producers wanted him to write a song with the name on a Manchester Secret Service. But yeah, I mean, the title was obviously the big problem, trying to get that in. And they thought the only way they mm. could do that is if it was like written operatically, said in the style of Gilbert and Sullivan, which obviously wouldn't be very Bond. <laughs> and even Leslie Brickers, who'd done some of the lyrics, of course, for Goldfinger, and um, you only have twice, I think he, he also did. He was going to do some of the lyrics for that, but it was a uh, director, Peter Hunt, who, my word, we, we owe an awful lot to him. <laughs> we'll talk about him later. Oh, yeah. he, he's the one who allowed the, the instrumental title theme. And, of course, he was the editor back then, wasn't he? And the first, well, Dr. No's instrumental, of course, the title for that, and then from Rush With Love is the instrumental of, of the theme going into the Bond theme, mm. which was like, here I am, John Barry, I'm, you know, give me this theme tune, even if Monty Norman wrote it, but my word, I'll make it something <laughs> special. Oh. I've completely forgot that Dr. No was also instrumental. You're yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. You forgot. Yeah, but that's because they obviously haven't got into the rhythm of things. Yes, yeah, point, yeah. You know, they um, weren't conscious. Yeah, no, you're right. I always thought there was only one, and I always thought it was on Her Majesty's Secret Service, but you're absolutely right. You know, And it was the Three Blind Mice song, wasn't it? Yes. With Dr. Yeah. No, yeah. I think. That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Three Blind Mice in Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's the one. <laughs> Going back to what you said as well, John, in terms of the use of the Bond theme, the actual Bond theme, the Vic Flick on the guitar, that one, is obviously used when he's sliding around, isn't it, in the Peace, Glory, and yeah. Battle. But that had been used, I think that specific cue had been used throughout all of them up until this one, and it's never been used since. And what they've done, which I think is much better, is just incorporate the Bond tune melody into the music of the film. I think we say on the Man with the Gun, the Gun episode, you know, you've got like an Oriental version of it, and mm. it just it just lends itself so well and John Barry himself must have come up with so many different arrangements. So it doesn't have to just be action. Sometimes it's like for a mystery cue. Sometimes it's a bit more, I don't know, subterfuge. And, it, and it, it's just so well done by John Barry. In this film, in On, on Her Majesty's, the other times it's slightly used are right at the beginning on the beach, but that isn't the, the Vic Flick one. It's slightly, slightly. No. And then at the end credits, it goes into the amazing new version of the Bond theme doesn't it with the sort of synth and it's like a really fast version of it yeah it's it's amazing I mean <laughs> I don't know I don't want to sound too critical of it but personally because of just what's just happened and the heartbreaking thing <laughs> yeah. it, it does seem to come out of nowhere it does seem a bit left field like you know James Bond will return everyone's got tears in their eyes <laughs> yeah. just got the little instrumental that we have all the time and <laughs> like, all right, yeah. calm down. But it is great, you know. It's, it sounds just amazing, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I just, I just love this so much. Everything you guys are saying, I completely agree with you. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Good. That's great. <laughs> I also really love when I was listening through today. Oh, what's the song called? Ski Chase. I absolutely love Ski Chase. Yeah, uh, on the soundtrack. Yeah, how it just starts with that just beautiful like whimsical string music that and you see those shots of um him bond and tracy skiing and it's it, i mean christopher nolan has been so inspired by those shots there's no doubt about it and then all of a sudden you just you just see blofeld coming out with his uh, with his goons <laughs> and straight away 
the theme kicks in and you just know you're going back into it and it's just like this is sensational i mean that scene is so 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 perfectly shot and yet however perfectly shot it would be and however great the action would be it would be not half as good if it did not have that music playing in the background absolutely and that's testament to how special this piece of music is it's the first time that there's been another action theme other than the bond theme as well really so it's like you you're creating a piece of music that is almost but i'm glad i'm glad it only stays in this film because it is so personal to the film isn't it a bit like 007 it's an action theme in other films yeah yes dun, 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 dun. last use in moonraker um, it's a bit unusual that that's never come back. Maybe it's a little yes. bit too, little bit too whimsical and old-fashioned now. I, I thought they might, maybe in no time to die. There's a chance Hans Zimmer might incorporate it, but do an updated version. I, I don't know. But he, to be fair, Hans Zimmer, yeah. I'd rather him just do his own Hans thing because he's a good enough composer, isn't he? Yeah. Whether he will do, he's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I want John Barry to come back. From- I want oh, Tom no, Barry no. to come back. <laughs> it's a shame, isn't it? Because we need David more Tom Arnold. Barry. Yeah, D- David Arnold is. If you he haven't, tried, didn't he? Yeah, he was trying to do John Barry, wasn't he? And succeeding on the main part. Yeah, I'd agree. Seen a rail score recently, and it's it's pretty much spot on, really. And it doesn't sort of. I know some people aren't as into his more action themes with the the whole synth and and all that drum and bass thing going on. To be fair, that's of its time. Whereas these, the synths in Honor Majesty's the theme tune, were of the time, but they just happened to, they don't sound dated at all, do they? They just sound so fresh. Definitely. Absolutely. If you're enjoying Really 007, why not follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram? Look us up at Really 007 Pod. If you do not, you will be shot. We could wax lyrical for the Honor Majesty's theme and the score in general, of course. And we will eventually get around to reviewing the film and that'll take months probably once because we've so much to say about it. And we love the film so much. But I just thought you you, you might like to hear a slightly different version of of the theme tune. Lens covering his ears. Yeah. I've had, I've had to take an earphone out. <laughs> this is the OHMSS for headbangers version. The theme tune. I, I quite like it actually. I'm not saying it will be appropriate at all. But it's basically the, the music is so good. It's versatile. Anyway, there you go. What I'll say about that is it's difficult to do covers of instrumental music because it's it's naturally... So what I will say, fair play for putting their own stamp on that. And, you know... (laughs) A for effort. Yeah. Yeah, great effort. You know, it's not my cup of tea, 
but if I was into heavy metal and I heard that and I love James Bond, I'd be like, yeah, that's great. You know, fair play. It's probably the one which could be the most heavy metal. You know, it could be sort of adapted to it. I know we've we've heard a few weird versions of the theme songs so far in our reviews, like The World Is Not Enough. We had that operatic version. I don't think you were that keen on that, John. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> um, I, yeah. The one that sounded like the lady yes, church one, singing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so what I'm going to say about On Her Majesty for Service um, theme tune is, listen, guys, no, it was written 52 years ago, and it's still oh. absolutely incredible, and it's still just completely, you know, it stood the test of time. Think about it. It's it's powerful. It's amazing, yeah. and you know, I don't I don't get tired of it, and it's 52 years old. You know, that's that's amazing. That's what's amazing about it. And the film as well. <laughs> the film doesn't really tire either. Oh, right? yeah. Because so, it accompanies it, yeah. I remember, I think I might have mentioned this on one of the previous episodes, but I, I, I played the piano at school and I got gradually worse and worse. But anyway, well, to, the, to the point when I, I just wasn't practicing enough. But I think it was probably Mr. Easton, my teacher, who's sadly no longer with us, great teacher. I think he was probably getting fed up and he could tell that I wasn't, I was losing interest. So he brought in the James Bond book of all the Bond themes on the piano. And obviously my interest peaked and <laughs> I suddenly started playing the piano a bit more because he was obviously like, oh, well, he's not going to go anywhere with this. Might as well have fun while we're, while we're still at school. So for the last maybe year or two of, of my school piano lessons, we just played the the Bond themes on, on the piano. And oh. he, he was obsessed with All Time High. That was, he was, that was his go-to one, which is quite unusual, isn't it? People don't really rate that one. But in terms of, because of course it's on the piano, the instrumental was lovely. But I was just obsessed with doing Honor Majesties and the chords. I mean, if you, I, my mum's, she's um, classically trained pianist and a music teacher. And I got her to play some of it recently. And the chords are so well written, so complicated. If you think of the opening, dun, 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 it's in all sorts of different keys and you know flats and shit. I can't remember what key it's in now, but it's incredibly difficult to learn. <laughs> As a, if you're sight reading, I'm telling you, you know, there's about you're using every single finger on your hands and doing it quickly, and then it goes into the main theme. And I think it's in a different key, perhaps the, the main theme. But just that opening is absolutely incredible music. I mean, it sounds it sounds like it's a mixolydian yeah, key, yeah. isn't it? It definitely sounds like it goes into those funky notes, and the start is just sensational, isn't it? And like even you know, even now, even Bond songs that I'm not a massive fan of, say Another Way to Die, they still take that inspiration from having that like couple of bars of massive bombastic intro, but yet, however good they are, none of them touch the first few bars of Honor Majesties. It's just musical perfection, isn't it? I've got... It really is. I'm not sure who wrote this, actually, but it's been described as one of the best title cuts, a wordless, mood-driven monster, suitable for skiing at breakneck speed or dancing with equal abandon. Yeah. How good that really sums it up, doesn't it? Oh, definitely. Yeah. If anyone's been skiing, this is what I've, I've... When I have been skiing, this is what I have in my mind, always. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We will move on Absolutely. to the, the second song in our James Bond songbook <laughs> for the evening. And we're sticking with Honor Majesties now. Before we get to the most beautiful song ever written, we will do We Have All the Time in the World. No, I'm joking. Uh, we will do, <laughs> the ne- next one we will do is 
do you know how Christmas trees are grown? <laughs> okay, it's not Christmas when we're recording this, and it's it's the sort of the one Bond Christmas connection there is, really, isn't it? Not just the snow and yeah. obviously Blofeld with his Christmas presents and all that, but this song and, and Denise Richards. Denise, oh, of course, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Christmas in Turkey. I keep saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is this is the only Christmas song in the James Bond songbook. And if you think, how on earth John Barry in this time? He's not only done this theme music. They've actually written three songs. Now you'll say to me, no, no, there's only two. There's only. Do you know how Christmas trees are grown? We have all the time in the world. There was actually a third song that was called The More Things Change that didn't end up on the finished film. And that was written as well with Hal David doing the lyrics to all of them. Wow. It appeared as uh, the B-side on the Nina single of the um, Do You Know How Christmas Trees Are Grown. And then John Barry also put an instrumental version of it on his uh, 1970 LP, so... He was doing his own album then, called Ready When You Are, JB. Yeah, so he also did one with Nina singing. Let's play a little bit of this one. Another new John Barry song, actually. Instantly Barry's. I'm not sure why it didn't end up. I mean, maybe there's probably just too much great music going Still got that slightly mysterious blowfold, you know, the sort of psychedelic feel to it, isn't it? Like almost the harpsichord he uses, isn't it? It's so nice. Like the ocean and the shore. Interesting. Wow, that's that, yeah, really interesting. <laughs> Whimsical. Something new. Something new. I could see that. Being Barry Lawrence, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I could see that in something like From Russia with Love. That song. Yeah. I, I don't because he didn't do the, I, the title song, did he? Matt, Matt Monroe song. It was um, Lionel Bart, wasn't it? Who wrote the, the title song? Yeah. Well, that's a bonus song. For you. Yeah, it's interesting. But Nina, yeah, Nina was, was the woman who sung that, and of course she sung. Do you know where Christmas trees are grown? She's just known as Nina. She's she's called Nina Moller, but she's still alive, and she's now known as Baroness Van Palant. So there you go. Um, <laughs> she and her husband. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad, is it? Yeah. yeah, she and her husband were a successful duo. I didn't know this. They had hits across Europe with sort of folk and calypso songs, including, I mean, very babyish, Mary's Boy Child and Little Donkey. <laughs> so, she, she loves Christmas she songs. Loves Christmas, she loves Christmas, basically. Yeah, she does, yeah. 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 <laughs> so maybe that's what John Barry saw in her, I don't know. They divorced, and this is awful. Uh, Frederick, her ex-husband, and his new wife were both murdered, both shot dead in the Philippines in 1974. 
ironically, quite near to where they were filming The Man with the Golden Gun. Mina, do you know how Christmas trees are grown? It's uh, John Barry's music, Hal David's lyrics, and I absolutely love it. It's not, you do hear the actual song, don't you? And you hear the instruments yeah. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. but I just look yeah. again, that- you mentioned the horns before, the horns in the chorus are just absolutely beautiful. I, I love it. Is that the song playing when they're having the ski fight and the guy falls off the cliff and you can hear the music down in the village? Yeep. Yes. Yes. What a shot that is as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, incredible. Oh, I don't want to dwell on it too much because I don't want to feel Christmassy right now. Um, until it's <laughs> Christmas. Well, it's funny you say that. Yeah. It's I, funny I, you mention that Christmas because tomorrow I'm actually going to have my Christmas Day dinner because... Oh, I, did, really? I couldn't come yeah, because <laughs> I'm here with my mother and I couldn't come over from Poland for Christmas because, uh, you know, with coronavirus, they actually cancelled the flight at the last minute. So uh, I decided to postpone Christmas and I'm having it tomorrow instead with my mum. <laughs> oh, look. So there you go. Will he, there you go. Are going to oh, whack on a bit of Dino and John Barry? <laughs> we're going we're gonna to have a Christmas Day dinner and we're going to sh- give each other presents. Um, I haven't given my mum her present yet, so there you go. <laughs> Very nice. That's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's Christmas still. This song. Opinion. Let's talk about this song. Yeah, then. Yeah, Let's get it on. <laughs> this song, I vividly remember hearing it the first time I watched the film. There's that shot of when he's when he's cacking his pants and he's sat with the hood up trying to hide from Spectre. And then Tracy uh, ice skates in and it looks up and you hear do you know where Christmas trees are growing in the background and I remember hearing it then and I have always associated this song with that shot of Tracy just looking up and oh, smiling at him so I've and yeah it's, it's, it's always it always melts my heart and for that reason alone I will always love this song <laughs> I have to confess that when I when I put this on in the car my wife is like who has doesn't like James Bond and doesn't get the context of this or anything. She's like, "What are you <laughs> listening to?" <laughs> you know? She's like, "Put on the more things change. Come on, come on, John." <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, what a shame. Well, I, I, I think it's beautiful. Well, we we move on, John. To the, I mean, it's almost emotional just just talking about. It. We have all the time in the world because it's just forever have those connotations. I know the weird thing was is it wasn't a hit at the time and it was only a big hit when it was using that Guinness advert and now that I mean that Guinness advert wasn't really harrowing was it so it's a bit of a shame I remember James in fact James when he he got it on single and that actually because maybe on a Majesty's we didn't maybe we didn't have it on video at that time so this was that might have been the first time I'd heard it oh well it wouldn't have been the first time but it really brought it fresh again and it was like a number, so I think it was number three, Bond, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, James, massive fan of, uh, of the song and, well, James Bond as well, of course. But it's one of these iconic songs now. Barry composed the song with lyrics from Hal David again. And, of course, Louis Armstrong's vocal is just incredible, isn't it? And he, he was very ill at the time, wasn't he? So he was so well, actually, so, that yeah. he couldn't do the trumpet part, which, of course, was his main instrument. So that had to be done by somebody else. And he did, he died, didn't he, a couple of years later, actually. And it was done in one take, amazingly. Just the, these guys are just geniuses, aren't they? <laughs> it's so good. 
I'm just saying, you're saying that these guys are geniuses, but it's just so lucky and amazing that James Bond producers, you know, can get them. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. Now they sort of just sort of choose who's ever, whoever's been number one and down with the kids, don't they? Because yeah. Billie Eilish. I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying she's bad or yeah. not talented. She's so young, isn't she? I mean, the, Louis Armstrong was in his 60s, wasn't he? But <laughs> she was, what, 18 or something? Yeah. Anyway. I didn't know if I was going to share this at this point. I thought, do I save this <laughs> bit for the actual film? But I am going to share it because it is, it is, it does. So I do associate it with this song. When I was 11 year old and I watched on a Majesty's Secret Service for the first time, I had absolutely no idea what was going to happen at the end of the film. <sighs> and honestly, when I saw what happened and the film ended, I was genuinely dumbfounded to the point because all I'd watched beforehand was this formula of James Bond beating the baddie and getting the girl. And then to watch a film where the baddie drives away and he murders the girl absolutely shook me to the core as an 11 year old in terms of like, because this was just not the happy ending that every other James Bond film I've ever watched was. And it affected me so much that I did not watch On a Majesty's Secret Service again till I was 19 years old. Word. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> It, uh, honestly, I, I can't. I can't. It, I, it's silly to say, no, this, no. but I'm just being honest. I couldn't handle it. I, it. It affected me so much. I couldn't handle it because I was like, I had. It hit me so hard that this happened because I had bought so much into this love story. And the main reason, and I know there's a few main reasons, but one of the main reasons is this song. And the montage that they have, the montage is is stunning. It it doesn't touch the montage in Majesty's, the Casino Royale one. But then I love, like, when he's talking to Draco, and you've got this amazing instrumental version. And he's telling the story about how he had fallen in love yeah. and with this, <laughs> with this English girl. And honestly, the emotion that is pouring out of this music is outrageous. And you get to the song and, I mean, you've got 
this iconic voice of Louis Armstrong. And the lyrics are so simple, so simple, and yet work so well. But then you have got these amazing string lines, strings going through. So he's like, we have all the time in the world. Yeah. And, oh, and that just goes up. And then you bring in Spanish guitar. For yeah, yeah. I mean, like, where's that come from? <laughs> and and I wonder if I wonder if they put that in because they were thinking some of this film's based in Portugal. We're on an Iberian theme. Why don't we try and put some of that in? And it works brilliantly. How it just runs up to what an iconic brass line. Oh, do 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 do, and you just know that you are in cinematic heaven when you are watching this film. And then the killer point is that the film finishes with James Bond saying, we have all the time in the world. <laughs> and that heartbreaking little, like, piano-y thing, or that little, that little exit music of the score going through. No piece of music has ever affected me in a James Bond film like this has. And for that reason, I, I adore A View to a Kill. I adore it. I adore Live and Let Die. But for the reasons of how this affected me as a person, I could never choose another song as my favourite. I don't know why, but when I was given the choice to have a song as my outro for my wedding, this was the only choice for me. And, and and I know that some people think that's a bit messed up because yeah. guys, but but like the sentiment, it's the idea what the lyrics are about. Sentiment. They're not meant. It was intended as a. This is it. This is my my love. I'm leaving. It's all over. It's that's it. Life's done. He's bought yeah. it. He's and I've bought it a hundred percent. I'm I'm there, and 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 the love that comes through this song, and I'm like, that's how I want to start my marriage. That's why I want to start my wedding. I want to get out to this song. I want to believe that I have all the time in the world with my wife and Rachel. (laughs) Sorry. I I, I know I'm getting so soppy. I can't, I can't love this song enough. I I just, I adore it. And I'm I'm going to stop there because I may get a tear in my eye if I carry on. I think that's the only (laughs) downside with it for me is that I'm so emotionally attached to it. It's so much, it's almost like, a chore to listen to it because I can't I can't listen to it without thinking of the you know Bond and Tracy and just everything going through a mind it can't ever be background music it can't ever be easy listening it's just got so much <laughs> impact with it and even the horn line is almost like plaintive isn't it it's almost not doom mongering because of what's going to happen but haunting isn't it it's haunting yeah it's so haunting so I, I've got some touring gingerbread in my mouth at the moment very Christmasy you caught me off guard no I completely agree it's just so haunting and it goes so brilliantly with all the imagery in the film and I've got one other I just want to say about One Her Manchester Secret Service I have got one other favourite scene and it's the scene where they're just about to be attacked by the helicopters Blofeld and Tracy are in the um, Pitts Gloria, and basically she's reciting that poem. And you know, they actually shot that in the mountains. So the interior is actually there in the mountains. So when you see the exterior and you see the mountains behind, it's not some, you know, 
green, not green screen, but you know, projector, yeah. projector screen or anything. It's actually, mm. the, the helicopters are actually approaching and it's beautiful. And you see that 1969, 52 years later, incredible, absolutely incredible footage. But that poem is phenomenal. And it reminds me of Judy Dench's poem as well in Skyfall. There you go, his little link. Yeah. And I think, I think they got inspired by that. No. That's why they added that. Um, that poem in, you know, when she's giving that speech, and that that's also very powerful for me as well. I think that's a great scene. But that's moving away. That's moving into Skyfall territory. No, no. Like I said, I mean, I know you had it at your wedding, John, but it, in a 2005 poll, it was found to, found to be the third most popular love song played at weddings. I assume they mean as a wedding. I don't know. It's not really a first dance song, is it? Maybe. But like you say, you had it as you was it as you were leaving. Yeah, which seems a bit more well. It's, it's, it's even more harrowing, but. Uh, <laughs> On this film, you've already had one of the most amazing action themes ever, and now you've got perhaps the most beautiful love song in the entire Bond canon. There's been loads of covers of it. One of them, can you link? Can you link to Daniel Craig? I don't think anyone will be able to do this. <laughs> no one will be able to do it. I'll just, I'll just answer it. Right, we're going to do an episode on the shaken and stirred James Bond project, the David Arnold one, and of course he did the version of Von Manchester's theme, which is superb. He did that version of that. But on the album, the version of We Have All the Time in the World is by Iggy Pop. And the Iggy Pop version was played over the end credits of a film I can't I, I think I might have heard about it at the time. <laughs> a thriller starring Adrian Brody and Keira Knightley called The Jacket. And a, a little known actor was also in it called Daniel Craig. So there you wow. go. And that version was used on the end credits <laughs> All these, all these uh, things were gearing Daniel to the to the top job. Amongst the countless covers, when I was looking through this, the one I found was uh, by the Specials. They're, they're more Scar, aren't they? More of a Scar band. This one, it's like a live version. Two, but um, two lovely men. It's, it's a little Cohen, bit more raw, I think, than some of the other versions. But. Played, I think, because it's too far. It's fast. It is, yeah. It's got a rhythm section yeah. to it, and it takes the emotion out of the song by making it faster. Fine, yeah. but but having said that, no vocal is ever going to no. compare with Louis Armstrong either. That's the other issue with it. Yeah. Well, there we go.
as much as I'd love to discuss on a Majesty's Forever and ever and ever, we will now move on to Skyfall, which is uh, what Glenn shows as one of his, well, if not his favourite, one of his favourite James Bond songs. And like I say, we have reviewed the film and we spent quite a bit of time on that song and some of the other covers of that. Glenn, why would you say it's one of your favourite Bond songs? I honestly, hand on my heart, I think there hasn't been a decent Bond song since John Barry's and, you know, The Living Daylights, in my opinion. And I'm sorry, I know you love Licence to Kill. I don't know <laughs> you or, or should I say Licence to Kilt? Because that's what she says in the song. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I know, Licence to Kill. Um, so I can't sing. But um, <laughs> there, has not been, there has not been a decent Bond song and throughout the whole of um, Piers Brosnan and even, dare I say it, Tina Turner's GoldenEye, it had its moments. Yeah. And I know it was written by Bono and the Edge, you know, amazing. But really, in my opinion, there has not been a good Bond song since. <laughs> I know this is a big statement. Since it's fine. Uh, your opinion, and um, oh, when, I, when I first heard Skyfall, I was absolutely blown away. And, you know, usually it takes me several listenings, repeated listings of a Bond song to actually start to feel it, start to get into it. Um, and to be honest, I'm still trying to get into bloody Billie Eilish's song at the moment. Um, <laughs> but for me, Skyfall yeah, yeah. blew me away after the very first playing. It just completely blew me away. I mean, the lyrics are rubbish. But, I mean, what do they, you know, what do they <laughs> mean? Skyfall is where we start a thousand miles and poles apart. I mean, what does that even mean? mean but it, it's the way, it, it, the, the music, the melody, and the way that Adele, you know, belts out the, the lyrics, it, for me, blows me away. I think, I think it's, a, it's a superior song for a very good superior Bond film, in my opinion. You're very passionate about this, Glenn, and I think, no, I don't think, I've never heard anyone say, oh, that's rubbish or anything like that. I think the main complaint with it has just been, it is deliberately a throwback, isn't it, to those John Barry efforts. I sometimes feel that if you're trying too hard to make it sound Bond, like Living Let Die came out and that was like nothing that had ever been done before, mm-hmm. but that's now seen as a very, very James Bond song. But it was completely, it was, it was nothing like John Barry's ones. You can argue, you can argue they've always been trying to, um, you know, follow um, Shirley Bassey, you know, I mean, look at Garbage with um, World Is Not Enough. Um, they have been trying to follow her footsteps. But for me, Skyfall is its own entity. Yes, you know, Adele is trying to be um, Shirley Bassey. But at the same time, the song is very different. The melody is different. You could argue Tina Turner was doing the same with GoldenEye. They're all bloody trying to do the same. Um, <laughs> apart from... <laughs> Apart well, from uh, Casino Royale's one was a bit different, and obviously Quantum of Solace, they were different. But, uh, I mean, look at that awful one. Um, what was it? Sam Smith. Bloody hell. That was oh, god-awful. Wow. god-awful. And what oh, happened with Radiohead? Awful Radiohead. They should have bought bloody Radiohead. <laughs> I, I found it funny that, was it Radiohead, they, they sound very Bond, some of their songs. I know it was, it was Pulp, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Pulp submitted one. Um, yes, they did. Ever Dies, I think. Yeah. yeah. And most of their songs sound very Bond, but their song for Tomorrow Never Dies just didn't sound very Bond. <laughs> it's like the one-off that, that didn't. But yeah, and I know, yeah, the Radiohead, I think it's it, people think it's better than it was because the Sam Smith one was so bad. Let's not waste time on that. This is depressing me. It's partly, again, because the film it's associated with, isn't it? And that does help with all these. If you really like the film, then you've got better mm. associations with the song. 
Yeah, I think one of the main issues with the Sam Smith song as well that I have is the fact that he came out and said it took me 10 minutes to write. And it's like, well, if you're going to say that, (laughs) make sure that you've got yourself an absolute hit. You know what I mean? Because otherwise it's going to sound that it's lazy. And basically it's the Earth song, not a very good version of the Earth song, followed by some awful falsetto nonsense and then a really run-of-the-mill generic brass line oh, that is basically it, just one yeah. note it's just one note off the bond theme. it's so bad it's it's so the, the word i describe that song as is lazy it's a lazy song yeah. but it's um you, you know lazy song but also completely lazy film as well so you know both both of them go together oh, you know radiohead was yeah. a great song and you know it would be let down because it was it was a shit film. So I pop my French, but it was you know, Spectre <laughs> was Bond by numbers at its best. And I, you know, I mean, I'm sure you've probably already you know moaned about and complained about Spectre for uh, in a in a previous podcast. I'm not sure, he but moaned, you know, it was, he moaned. <laughs> yeah, it was Bond by numbers. And so to be honest, it it, it was justice to have a shit song, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, lazy song, lazy. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, I'm just being pure lazy. I've not thought about that. Are there any Bond songs which, well, uh, we love most of the Bond films, but are there any songs which you think are better than the films they're in? Oh, um, yeah, definitely. Die for. Diamonds Are Forever. Pure class song. I, I don't massively dislike Diamonds Are Forever as a film, but that song, there is, a, again, a, an amazing bass line going on in the second verse from oh, it, but the, the vocals and everything... That, that is a classy song. Yeah. And it doesn't fit with the tone of the film. That, that's all I say. Is I just think that, that that song speaks of the class of diamonds and it brings, and you know, and all that's associated with it. And it just seems, it's a shame to me that the film doesn't follow that kind of way and goes down a very different kind of way. Because if, if you think about like, whatever good diamonds are forever. I think of the sleaziness, especially in terms of Las Vegas and this. Like, it's quite a dirty setting. Yeah, it doesn't bring the class that this song comes through. It is sort of a camp icon in a way. I'm not saying the song itself is camp. We'll, we'll discuss this with License to Queer, of course, in our review. Uh, Obviously, in detail, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. But yes, uh, it's one of those. Diamonds Are Forever seems to be by a mile everyone's second favorite Shirley Bassey song, doesn't it? I, Moonraker never gets a look, and I absolutely love that song. I think that's a beautiful, beautiful John Barry melody, and I hope oh, I'll get to talk about that another day. Well, yeah, well, there you go, mate. If you think that, but that that, that there's another one then. But uh, yeah, the film the film was far more popular than the song was, though. Weirdly, one of my one of my favourite Bond film, uh, songs, sorry, is uh, Nobody Does It Better. I think it's pure class, um, quite melodramatic. You probably could say it's a bit cheesy as well, but it's just one of those. Bond songs I absolutely love. I think Carly Simon is amazing. And um, I think the film is good, but I think the song's better, in my opinion. Yeah, well, right. Spy Love Me, sort of, I grew up with it thinking that everyone thought it was an absolute class, you know, like possibly in your mm. top, everyone's top five. And, it, and it, I think it is on, on that poll we saw recently, it was the highest Roger Moore one. Yeah. But it's, yeah. I don't know, when you speak to individuals, particularly Bond nuts, they don't seem to quite rate it. Just going back to Skyfall, yeah, so it was written, obviously, by Adele with her regular collaborator, Paul Epworth, who also produced it. It was an obvious choice in the sense that she was probably the most popular singer in the planet, never mind the popular singer, most popular British singer. 
And Skyfall does have a very we love England feel. And it, you know, it was at the absolute peak of the the Olympics. Of course, had just gone on, and it, you know, it was a time when everyone loved being British before all. <laughs> Before everything went bad, maybe in the next few years afterwards with one or two things. But uh, yeah, I won't say any more on that. Yeah. But yeah, it, it just sort of got that real, we love Britain and we were really proud of it. And it was an obvious choice. But like you say, with Honor Majesty's, picking that as, as your favourite Bond song or Bond theme, just because it's obvious doesn't mean it isn't a good choice. And I think they thought, thought we, we would love to have her. And she she hardly released any. She releases like an album every five years. So to get a single in between her massive albums was another major coup. And it meant, well, we know everyone's going to be swarming around this song. So you, you're, you're almost winning before it starts. But with that, I suppose there was a there might have been a bit of extra pressure for it to be a good song. It's a, it's a great epic Bond song, isn't it? Yes, I mean um, my favourite part is just towards the end when the backing singers come in and you know they sing you know yeah. when it crumbles and you know and they repeat when it crumbles and then she sings we will stand tall and they repeat we will stand tall. I just love that bit, you know. It's just you know for me it really gets to me and um, I can hear it again and again and again. I can listen to it multiple occasions and it doesn't bore me, which is I can't say about that for. Any of the other new Bond films in the last 20 or 30 years, <laughs> I can't say that. For me, they've all been absolutely rubbish songs. But Skyfall. John Barry was still alive. Yeah, Skyfall just stands out above the rest of them for me, you know, the song. Definitely. Do you think part of that is because the, the pre title sequence is really, really visually arresting, isn't it? And sometimes they work a bit better and grab you with the. I, to be honest, I think the. The Daniel Craig pre-title sequences have possibly been one of the strongest bits. I mean, Casino Royale is a fantastic one, isn't it? And well, yeah, Skyfall, I mean, Spectre. is, even yeah. Spectre's good, isn't it? Yeah, Spectre's great. But then the rest of the film is awful. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get a topless Daniel Craig, though. I'm not sure I approve of that in the in the title sequence. Um, <laughs> and the tentacles around him, yeah. But the Skyfall one, yeah, it's got the it's got loads of visual clues to the film, hasn't it? And silver yes. and these yeah. stags and graves and skulls and all that yes it's terrific yes yes yeah, and it's a good film you know i'm, I'm gonna stand with john and i'm going to agree with john yeah that's yeah i thought was well, it's definitely my top five where where does it where does it fit with you john in your top five or top ten uh, it was, was it? At this moment in time it's top ten okay it was top it was top five it was number four, and and the re- I was saying this the other day actually the, the reason is is because i think it sets an incredible first impression uh, it looks phenomenal. It's so it's so grand scale. It looks like they've thrown the kitchen sink at it. And I think they do that with the song as well. I think the song, they are really trying to throw kitchen sink at going back to a big song. And I love it. I, I'm a big fan of the song. I was defending the song in the in the review. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a really good song. Yes, I agree. The lyrics, lyrics are basic, but it does what it needs to do. And especially when it, it succeeds um, Another Way to Die, which is a mess. I think that this is a real conscious effort to go back to what they know. Skyfall as a film is brilliant, got a great villain and all the rest of it. I do think it has diminishing returns on on separate watches, whereas I think Casino Royale gets better with every watch. I do mm. think uh, Skyfall suffers. So I would probably have Skyfall at seven or eight at the moment. Okay. Still a cracking film, don't get me wrong. Well, you know, it's the... You mentioned it looks great, and that's because um, what's his name is it Roger Deakins? Deakins, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The cinematographer, absolutely incredible um, cinematography. Um, 
some of the best ever, in my opinion, especially the scenes where um, he, he's running across the, the Scottish moor and, and you see the the, the, the red oh, orange yeah. glow of the of sky burning behind him. You know? And when he gets on the ice, it is just absolutely beautiful. And the music as well by, um, what's his name? Edith Thomas Spectre Newman. As well. Yes, yeah. very good. I mean, obviously that's... Um, Sam's um, director, Sam. Um, oh, Mendes. Yeah. Mendes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. choice, isn't it, really? But um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, beautiful soundtrack and uh, great cinematography. So, you know, I think it does well in definitely top 10 and for me, top five. But um, uh, wow. it, it, yeah, definitely. I think it's a great film. Great film, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it, is. it is a great it film. Did. I agree. It did come after as well because Casino Royale was so well received, and then Quantum was like, oh, oh dear, yeah, they're not messed up. So it's I think Quantum's not bad. I don't, I, I don't hate it as much as everybody else, but it's that usually comes pretty near the bottom of everyone's you know rankings of bonds as the Spectre. So it's almost like good, bad, good, bad, and then we're but thinking no time to die. No, well, no, no. <laughs> No, have you seen that? The Independence ranking is very high. You did show me it, Glenn, yeah. Bizarre. Shocking. (laughs) Where where did it have Skyfall? Can you remember? Uh, Skyfall was about, I think, 15 or 16. And Quantum of Scott um, Wallace was in the top five. Yeah. What? (laughs) I think so. I think so. I need to check. That's just just to be controversial, if it is, I think. I mean, I'll defend it. It is in no way a top five box. Oh dear! Dare I say? Did they put it higher? But than yeah, service? I can't remember. I need to check that. Oh, I don't. I, I no. don't even look now, Glenn. That's so. No, no. That, I'm gonna check it again. I think it's higher than on a. <laughs> I could be wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just just for the record, Glenn, I I hate Quantum of Solace. It's the worst film <laughs> of the series. It's a dog <laughs> turd of a film. <laughs> <laughs> You need to see it again, John. Sorry, mate. <laughs> Go in with really, really low expectations. Uh, when, <laughs> when we get to the review and I have to critically analyse it, I might come out thinking a bit differently of it. I don't know. I think you're going to have to do it, John, because no one else seems to want to, I'm afraid. <laughs> it might just be you and me. Okay. Totally depressed and it, it'll last about 20 minutes. 1v1. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll be the one <laughs> like the film, like the film, basically. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, and, uh, and short. <laughs> oh, yeah, so Skyfall, we had a four-year gap. We're getting used to these huge gaps between films, aren't we? But you had Quantum of Solace, which sort of almost undid a lot of the rights of Casino Royale that it put right from Dying of the Day. So then it was almost quite a big task to get Bond back in the the good books and. Therefore, Skyfall, it did go for that big, bold, brassy... I mean, it's not as traditional as you think, though, because you've got the storyline of Bond being depressed and (laughs) going away. It doesn't... It's got the new Q, of course. Yeah, it's got you know a different take on Q. It doesn't have many of the gadgets, of course. The Bond Bond goes through the entrance, I say. It is, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, we do... There's only... Yeah, Bond goes to the end. So, I mean, it is very different. Very, very different. Yeah. Severine is a sort of the nearest to a Bond girl for him. and Because, of course, the, the money Penny's in it, isn't she, to sort of set her up. Money Penny begins. Because uh, <laughs> Casino Real is very much <laughs> Batman Begins, isn't it? And, uh, Skyfall, of course, we have read yeah. in our review. Compared Skyfall a lot to The Dark Knight, particularly Silver, you know, with the Joker. 
A lot yeah. of it is actually similar yeah. to the world is not enough in terms of the MI6, M personal mission, going back to Scotland yes. and all that. <laughs> and the family heritage and, and you know, the, and everything. Yeah. yeah, it's very similar. I mean, the world is not enough is the motto, of, of course, of Bond's family, yeah. isn't it? world is not enough. I think that was part of the, so. with Spectre, it was like, Skyfall set it up so well at the end with all the elements in place. You know, mm. you, you'd have obviously the harrowing death of M, but you've got Ray Fiennes as the new M. You've got Money Penny there. Yeah, you've got Q. And yeah. Bond loves his job again. And then, oh great! Can we not just have a normal Bond film now? Can we not? Why does it have to be personal all the time? Just, just mm. get some bad guy. Yeah, get well, get Blofeld in it. That's great. Use him a bit better. Don't need to have him as his brother. Yeah. Okay, anyway, I mean, we've gone on about this so many times, but it's yeah, it's infuriating. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. Absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. I forgot that he was his brother, but I think, I, think I, just, I just wanted to shut that out completely. Yeah. I tried to shut it out deliberately. Well, I'm hoping they do in no time. Yeah, I think I? better, better forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's hope. I reckon No Time to Die is going to be pretty okay it's not going to be as good as skyfall casino royale but i've got high hopes yeah i think it'll be somewhere as we wait yeah no, nowhere near as bad as quantum and spectre but not, not as good as um <laughs> the the other two from craig but hey ho we, we've just got to be hope, thankful we've got a film don't we I'm, I'm slightly worried how long it's going to take for the next one because it's just getting longer and longer and the old days. I mean, yeah. Connery was saying, "Bring it out." Yeah, Bring well, out is that what you do? Yeah, it's called on Netflix or HBO. They got a bloody yeah. stream it. You stream that? it. You That's wouldn't... what I say. <laughs> Chris was thinking you could have, I would, yeah, I would, I would stream it, it but, but then put it on the cinema afterwards because people will still want to go when they're open, won't they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree with Chris. I would pay at least thirty quid to go and see it online. Definitely, I would pay. I would pay there premium rate yeah. to go and see it online. Without a shadow of a doubt, and I'm sure yeah. you guys would as well. You probably would pay even more. Oh, yeah. Well. You know, come on. I mean, it's the new James Bond. You know? And we've waited six years. <laughs> even 50 quid, 50 quid I would pay. I would pay 50 quid. <laughs> this is like the the auction in Octopussy, the Sotheby's auction. 30 pounds. He had yeah. 50 pounds, yeah. <laughs> Any more? Any more? 50 pounds. Yeah. Sold to Glen Stanley. Yeah, seen an Octopussy, yeah. <laughs> 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 well thank you guys uh, this has been brilliant fun as ever the music of James Bond is almost as iconic as the films and I think a lot of people who aren't into the films say you aren't into action or spy thrillers and that you'll know James Bond themes like you know inside the back of your head you've mentioned nobody does it better um, Glenn that's that's one of the ones that immediately comes to mind there's so many and even Skyfall I was saying Skyfall's like it won an Oscar of course it won a Grammy, Golden Globe, a Brit Award. And it's actually like the first really big hit on both sides of the Atlantic since Dying of the Day. <laughs> but it might, it, might, it might live longer in the memory, I think, uh, even though I'm a big defender of, of the film and, and, the, and the song. But yeah, I think since, like you say, since Living Daylights and A View to a Kill, there's not been any absolutely massive hits Bond song, you could say, and Skyfall certainly was that, so it deserves does, deserves credit for that. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Glenn. I'm sure we'll have you back on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely loved it. Thank you. Take care and keep listening to James Bond music. Take care, indeed. Yeah. Let's hope John Barry somehow is resurrected in some form. Not one of those hologram resurrection. Resurrection. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.